Friday, everyone. Welcome to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. I am your host, Michelle Berard, founder and CEO of Urban Book Editor, LLC. And I am so, so, so happy to share this hour with you where we examine all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that may bring. Now, Somewhere in the Middle is intended to be a safe place where we can learn and grow together. And we discuss a variety of topics, ranging from love to politics to money to business and beyond. And that is because the human experience is wide and varied. And I know that you have lots to share with us as well. So I want to make sure that you are reaching out to us on all of our social media channels. We've got Facebook. We've got uh, Instagram. Make sure you're reaching out to me there. And Send over comments and questions. You know, I love to hear from you guys. Now, i like to start out, of course, by thanking Ms. Beverly Black and Tribe Family Channel for helping me create this space for us. Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows exploring life, spirit, business, and culture, including The Woman at the Well, hosted by Ms. Beverly Black herself. Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel and has grown onto our own platform, but we are ever grateful and ever loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we are here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. I also want to give a shout out to my guests on the June 1st show, Daisy Brown and Philip Holinsky. You can connect with Daisy and Philip online and you can hear them on Call to Serve, which can be found on Blog Talk Radio. If you miss that show, make sure you listen to the replay. Daisy and Philip shared their knowledge and experience about the military and the challenges veterans face. And that's really important for us all to understand, particularly if we do not come from military families. You can get to the replay by visiting Somewhere in the Middle at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Somewhere in the Middle Radio and checking out the on-demand shows. You can find our complete show archives, including the June 1st show, at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, slash Somewhere in the Middle podcast. I also want to shout out Bruce George of the Genius is Common movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. It is so very important that we share this message with the youth. But this message is not just for the young people. It's also for us grown folk. We all need to be reminded that the world needs our genius. You can learn more about the Genius is Common movement at www.geniusiscommon.com. Now, guys, I am super excited to introduce tonight's guest, Dr. Kiva Davis. She is, first of all, just a fabulous, fabulous person, but she has so much wonderful information to share with you guys. I'm really delighted. I always learn something when I talk to Dr. Kiva Davis. So let me tell you a little about her. Dr. Kiva L. Davis, D.C., is a licensed chiropractor with a strong background in anatomy and, I think I'm saying this correctly, kinesiology. I hope I didn't butcher that word, guys. And she is also registered as a Yoga Alliance yoga instructor. Dr. Kiva's approach to anatomy and yoga is lighthearted and passionate. She has practiced yoga for more than 10 years. Her introduction to holistic health was in 2003 when she received the certification in reflexology. She became interested in yoga after taking class at a local gym in the late 1990s. 
Her desire to deepen her understanding of the practice resulted in her obtaining a certification to teach from Yoga Lotus in 2007. She completed more than 700 educational hours in Hatha Yoga at Yoga Lotus, Kemetic Yoga, and Rocket Yoga. Dr. Kiva considers herself the happy yoga teacher and is known for her engaging style and ability to share concepts in a clear and accessible way. As her students move through asanas, she wants them to experience the movements and the freedom that can be obtained. She compares yoga movements to dance. Dr. Kiva conducts anatomy trainings for several yoga teacher training programs, and she is certain that a strong foundation in anatomy gives teachers advantages in class development. She believes strongly in bringing humor to her classes and trainings while still respecting the practice. Dr. Kiva's mission is to empower students and teachers to move beyond perceived limitations, to find freedom, confidence, and to allow energy to flow through their bodies. Dr. Kiva is a graduate of Texas Southern University with a major in psychology and a minor in art history, received a doctorate degree from Texas Chiropractic College. She's enrolled in a 500-hour yoga program and a chiropractic diplomate program in nutrition. I'd like to welcome Dr. Kiva Davis to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Thank you so much, Kiva, for coming on the show. Well, thank you for asking me. Well, you may have already heard that I like to start an interview with two questions that I believe lead right into what you're doing and why. So are you ready? Here are the two questions. (laughs) (laughs) Kiva Davis, who are you and how did you become who you are today? Oh, good question. Well, I am a yoga teacher chiropractor and um, reflexologist and Reiki practitioner. So it all started, I would say, probably in 2003. That's when I first got certified in reflexology. I was um, at a place in my life where I was actually in liquor sales, and I was just tired of seeing people destroy themselves with liquor and I wanted to do something a little more holistic. So a friend of mine suggested that I look at reflexology and then I got involved and got certified. I uh, enjoyed the education of it. However, I wanted to have a little more science behind it. Um, Then I got introduced to chiropractic. Now also during the time I was taking yoga classes, so that was always just kind of in and out of my life. But while I was in school to become a chiropractor, I got certified to teach yoga. And this one thing led to another, and I realized that was what I wanted to do to help people become healthy, and that was, I felt, my calling in life. After I graduated from being a chiropractor, I continued on and learned Reiki. With yoga, and especially with yoga, Reiki is kind of a really good fit. And once you start to learn about energies, it just led me to going into Reiki. And at this point in my life, I'm also looking at becoming a diplomat in nutrition. So now I'm studying nutrition and so that I can help my patients or help my yoga students even further with their holistic health. Wow. Okay, that is amazing because, well, you know, because you and I have spoken before that I love yoga. <laughs> I, am, I, and I love yoga. I don't get to yoga class nearly as much as I should. Um, and I think that it's so helpful in so many ways, not just for the physical body, but also for the mind. Like you were saying about the energy, kind of keeping your energy balanced. How do Reiki and yoga work together? How do you use them together to help your clients? Well, once you start once you start getting into yoga and you start to look at vibration, understand everything has vibration, you know, even mm-hmm. if you don't necessarily say, well, yoga, they're talking that yoga stuff. But even if you go to a, um, your doctor, every organ has vibration. It's just that when you start looking at more yoga and Reiki, 
they, we look at this whole energy system that goes up and down the spine called the chakras. And so each chakra that's going up and down your spine has a different vibration. And each chakra, if they're blocked, won't allow the other chakras to open. So if we step back and we look kind of at the endocrine system, like we look at glands, we know about, you know, what glands? We know about the pituitary and those different glands. So the chakras are related to the endocrine system, and those are hormones. So at any time with any of those are blocked, you're going to have issues in the body. Uh, definitely when you do yoga, our whole thing is to raise up the energy in the body so that you can become healthier. And Reiki does the same thing. We look at the energy that's in each of those chakras to make sure that it's not blocked, so we try to open those chakras up, basically. So once those chakras are open, then you'll, your body can heal on its own. We're not forcing the body to heal. We're just opening up those systems so the body can heal by itself on its own, at its own pace. So that's how the Reiki and yoga comes together. Now, the science of it becomes the endocrine system, and you can follow the endocrine system and know that those hormones are also related to those areas. Now, I want, you to, I want to ask you, if you don't mind, oh, no because not, not necessarily everybody knows what you mean by the term chakras. So do you mind explaining yeah. what that is? You know, it's, um, if, you look at the, if you look at your spine, there's seven major chakras, and there, it, it can. It's, there's so many books on it, but just to give a, a little short version, because it goes really deep, that each of those are just energy channels that's going up your spine. Like, if, since we have seven, we have one that's at the root, at the bottom of your spine, then we have another one that comes up right into your sacral area, then we have the third one comes up into maybe your stomach, and the next one is at the heart, then throat, and then you're right between your eyebrows, your third eye, and then at the top of your head, your crown chakra. So those are energy systems that are throughout the spine, and when they're open, we get to experience what those chakras represent. A lot of people can feel it kind of when they have that gut feeling, when they go, oh, I knew I should have done that, that gut feeling that, you, mm. that leads you, that's basically your yep. third chakra trying to talk to you. Or when your heart is so open and you feel so loving and you're just, you're, you stand up straight, your chest is back, your heart is open, that's your heart chakra. Or when you are depressed and you start to roll in and your shoulders go forward and you're blocking your heart, you're closing out your heart chakra. So those are just energy systems that are going up and down your spine, and they're open and closing at any different, different times in your life. And once those are open, like just think about it, when your heart chakra is open, it's like you lift your chest up and you just give energy to all this love to everybody. You're just like loving. So that means that chakra is opening and in full effect compared to when you're depressed and you close it out and you're like, oh, don't talk to me, leave me alone and then it's closed. So those are the energy systems that go up and down the spine. Thank you. I appreciate You're that. Welcome. Now, you said something that I thought was really interesting because there's a tendency to say there's, you know, these things are kind of uh, woo-woo, you know, energy, woo-woo. It's not serious, you know, but you are able to tie this to the science, and you said that the chakras are related to the endocrine system, in what way? Well, if, if you look at any kind of chart and you'll see where the chakras are located, it just so happens one of those glands are located there also. And so that's how oh. it's related, and it's related to those hormones. So like even we look at the root chakra and it's related down at the lower pelvis, and you know you have all your reproductive hormones right there. So, and so that's how it's related. If we look at the third eye right between the eyebrows and you have your pineal gland, you know, it's located right there. So it's just located where those different endocrine systems is also flowing. And the concept of the chakras really is, um, or the way I have 
learned about it has been uh-huh. more from the Eastern traditions, right? You know, from India and places like that. So yeah. are you finding that in Western medicine more doctors, chiropractors, various types of doctors are starting to take note of some of these? Or is, are you an outlier? Are you, <laughs> are you just like an odd woman out on this? Well, it's a, it's a catch. So maybe more on chiropractors, we tend to kind of be those doctors that would view it a little bit more. And it's because since we don't really do a lot of medicines, we're always looking for different natural cures. Now, is mm. this a normal, did I learn it while I was in school to be a chiropractor? Not at all. So that's not something that we discuss as chiropractors, no. But um, but you do have a few that do look into the same Eastern medicine. So you do have those. But I would say that most chiropractors probably not. It's just about the diagnostics, the medicine, and it's a straightforward science. And so that's why I did it because I enjoyed the woo-woo of it. <laughs> but I needed to have the. I needed to have the. Okay, I see why it worked. It makes sense to me. You know, and so it's like if I can, if it can make sense to me, then when I'm talking to people, I can explain it a lot better so I can explain it to those people who like the woo-woo and I can explain to those right. people who are like, okay, now I see how the medicine works. So since we're talking woo-woo a little bit, do you ever uh-huh. get into some of the spiritual practices and, and concepts behind some of those? Well, for me personally, yoga is a spiritual practice, and it's not based on just being Hindu or, you know. For me, it's, it's like whatever you put into anything, that's what you get out of it. So when I practice personally, like I can have my, my mantra, you know, a mantra is just when you repeat the, this, this um, saying over and over in your head that you kind of meditate on. I can mm-hmm. be doing be still and know, thinking about God. I can, you know, whatever I want to focus on at that point, I bring that to my yoga practice. Because at the end of the day, when you're doing all those yoga stretches and you're moving and you're getting all this freedom in your body, it becomes a moving meditation because you're moving and you're focusing on the breath. So that way when you, at the end of your practice, when you can meditate longer, and that's what... That's how you get the enlightenment. And, you know, Jesus meditates. So I'm like, okay, if I, I need to meditate. And you can even meditate on Jesus if that's where you want to go or meditate on Buddha or whatever you want to meditate on. But the end goal is to be able to sit still and just listen and get enlightenment. Okay, you know I'm going to have to ask you now. All right. Because a lot of Christians... <laughs> A lot of Christians will say, oh, meditating and mantras, that's bad, that's evil, that's, you know, false religions, whatever. You just said Jesus meditated. Yeah, remember, he did it for 40 days and 40 nights. And so at the end of the day, you know, we are to meditate and be still. I mean, because you don't get any answers unless you're still and quiet your mind. And then that stillness comes through your meditation. So when you're working with your clients, do you encourage them to um, meditate as well? And if so, what types of meditation do you recommend for them? Because there are a lot of different types, right? Well, yeah, but it just depends on who I'm talking to. What hat am I wearing? Am I the chiropractor? Or am I a mm-hmm. yoga teacher? You know, depends on the head, and it depends on who I'm talking to. So if I'm, um, do I tell people to meditate? No. But what I do tell them to do is to focus on their breath. And by just being still and focusing on the breath, that will at least calm you down. Um, mm-hmm. in, in today's society, we live so much in the sympathetic system, meaning we're always on the go. We've got to fight. We've got to fight for this, fight for traffic. We're always just go, go, go. And so when you get into a meditation practice, it takes you into your parasympathetic. Your parasympathetic system is the system that just calms you down. And so with each exhale that we take, we get more into the parasympathetic system. And so we are able to be calm. And so what I will teach a lot of my 
especially chiropractic patients, are just, you know, just breathing techniques to get them to get calm. Now, of course, if I'm in the yoga studio, you know, there's, like you said, there's several different meditation techniques. And one that we might just even start is still with the breath. It's just you're sitting on the floor or in the chair where your spine can be really erect because you want your alignment of your spine. And just focus on maybe 10 breaths. You breathe in one, you breathe out one. You breathe in two, you breathe out two, and you say those numbers. And in the midst of going to 10, what happens a lot of times, your mind begins to wonder, you forget what number you're on, it's, you just get either your mind gets get the monkey brain, and so what you do is you start back at one, and you keep starting mm -hmm. back at one until you're able to get to the ten, and maybe you won't that day, but there, you've already gone through a meditation practice of allowing yourself to be still. Because the mind does, will always wonder. Well, and that's what I was going to ask, so how does the breathing, how does concentrating on the breath help? It keeps you centered and in the present moment. Because if I'm not, if I'm focused on my breath right now, I'm not going to think about what I've done or what I have to do later because it brings me back to this moment. Wait, I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out. I can't do both at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious, and when you're working with your patients, so let's say, you know, I walk into your yoga studio. Let's not even get into what? the chiropractic right now. I walk into okay. your yoga studio, and I say, I've been practicing yoga for a while, but I'm having trouble getting into certain poses or certain positions. What do you recommend? Is that something else with concentrating on the breath where that could help? Well, you know, that's such a, uh, because it depends on the position, and it depends on a lot. What happens <laughs> as we discuss yoga and not look at chiropractic, we still have to look at anatomy. Anatomy is still plays a big role in it all. <laughs> because, okay. You know, you ever have you've heard of fascia, right? Fascia. No. Okay. So around each bone, around each muscle, each artery, each vein, around your organs, this is tissue tissue called fascia. So if you mm -hmm. look at chicken, you ever see like chicken that's not cooked, and you see this clear layer of uh, skin, it's like really, it's really clear and translucent on top of the chicken. Yeah. But then once yeah. you put it in a skillet, it melts away. So that's the fascia. Mm -hmm. So we have fascia around our whole body. So when someone comes in and they go, well, I can't get into a certain position, I need to know, okay, maybe their fascia is really tight. And fascia can get tight from, say, something traumatic. It can get tight from surgery. That's when you get scar tissue in the fascia. It can get tight from having a sedentary lifestyle and just sitting. But for someone who says, well, I've been practicing yoga and I can't get into position, I need to see if it's fascia that's kind of stopping them. So if it's fascia that's stopping them, that fascia that's around the muscle and bone, we can stretch that out. And we can, you know, with repetitive, the muscle will remember the position that you can go a little bit deeper. Now, mm -hmm. if they come in and depend on the position, say their bone is hitting bone, just because that's how God made them, that's how my mm -hmm. hips are made. My hips don't don't let this bone go any further because I got narrow hips. Some mm -hmm. places you will never get because your bone is hitting bone. Gotcha. Bone is bone. That's just that's just structural. So it's now you mentioned position, but you mentioned yeah. that the fascia the. Am I saying that correctly, fascia? Fascia. Yes, you are. Fascia. Okay. <laughs> that the fascia can become tight or hardened, I guess is what you're saying, because of trauma. Does that, do you mean injury? Or is yeah. it possible also emotional trauma can be held? Because can't emotional trauma be held in the body as well? It can. If you have memories of something that happened and maybe during during the, the emotional trauma you held in something, then, yeah, you can definitely have some tight hips, especially women when we get mad, we kind of stump, and maybe everything is held in our hips. And so mm -hmm. there's, then you can kind of, then those hips can be really tight. So, yes, that can happen also. And a lot of that, um, 
so we've, I've had plenty of people that have been in class and they released into their hips and just started crying because they had these emotions that came over them. That can definitely happen. And so when we look at that also, then we can say, okay, so if this person is tight, we go back to the chakras, and it could mean that they're holding on to something in their chakras also that we need to open. Because it's like when, because with chakras, when we go back to that, like if we look at the seven chakras, and I said mm -hmm. each one holds its own, um, when it's closed, it has its own energy that it portrays. So right. in the root mm -hmm. chakra, say you don't have, you don't feel safe or protected. That closes your root chakra to feel safe and protected. So normally, the root chakra begins to open, say, when you're a baby and you're with your mother and you feel safe and protected, that's in the root chakra. The next one, the next chakra up into your sacral chakra is more for your sensuality and creativity. That's when kids are just so creative, they just all mm -hmm. over the place, they just play, and maybe even when a, a baby is being breastfed by their parents, that can, you know, that can create that kind of energy right there in their sacral chakra. Mm -hmm. and when you get up into, say, the one we're talking about your gut feeling right there at the stomach, that's, the, that's like the terrible twos when you start to get your power, you know, because that's a power chakra. So it's like, no, 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 when you get to be able to <laughs> be powerful. So that goes up into that chakra. The upper chakras are when you become even more developed because the lower chakras deal so much on your physical. The upper chakras deal more on the spiritual because then you go into the heart chakra. So you get to be really open and your heart is open. Your throat chakra, say you don't speak your truth, like when you just you, you, you hold everything in, and then you can have problems. Hello? Okay, I think I lost you for a second. So you said, um, <laughs> you said, say you don't speak your truth. And that's your, that's your throat chakra, which is located with your thyroid gland. So see how the thyroid gland is right there with your throat chakra. And so that can feel really closed, closed in. Your uh, crown chakra, your third eye chakra, that uh, <clears throat> right between your eyebrows, and that's when you get to know your intuitiveness. So the reason I say that is because, say you um, had some kind of emotional trauma, and those chakras were blocked. That was a, that's another way that you become open in a yoga practice because we can open up those chakras, and then that'll release those that energy and that emotion, and those chakras can get open. But also with the Reiki, you can you yeah, can work. Do you open chakras with the Reiki, or do you just um, you do align or attune? Yeah, okay. You, you do open and align and attune <laughs> all of those things, and a lot of times with the Reiki, and even with the the yoga, each chakra has its own color. So what people tend to do is when they're trying to open up a certain chakra, they might wear the color that represents that chakra also. Now, is it is it possible to have the chakras too open? Yes. <laughs> and how would that manifest itself for people? So someone who maybe talks too much. Like, okay, you're just maybe talking too much. Bring that down. Or someone who's so open to love, they're just, it's almost to the point to their detriment. They're just so open. So you can't be too open also with all of those. Someone who is extremely sexual, that's too open. You know, so all of those can be too open. And I'm sure we've probably experienced that before. So, I mean, as, as part of your development as a human being, you may pass through different phases as you're trying to balance that energy yourself. Exactly. It's, that's what it sounds like you're saying. Exactly. Every, you, some, some are open, some are closed, some have to protect you. Yeah, and it's, it's forever changing. It's forever changing. Now, you practice yeah. different forms of yoga, though, right? You don't just practice the Hatha yoga that's very popular here in the United States. Well, they, they all fall under the umbrella of Hatha. 
Okay. And I'm, yeah, because, I mean, if you think about it, the body's only going to move a certain way. People aren't going to create a new movement of the body. Okay. And so with each, you might have different schools of yoga that just kind of have set sequences that they may follow. Mm-hmm. Or different ways of how they kind of want the, uh, the energy to move in the body. But I do practice different, several different types. But in my yoga practice, I bring probably a, a mixture of all of them in. You know, so because uh, I do practice uh, what we call a one form called rocket yoga. And rocket is basically a baby of Ashtanga yoga. And so okay. but you still have, like you said, you have a lot of different ones. But they're all going to have the same movement in the body. They just might have a different sequence of how they put them together. And what's the purpose of different sequences? Is that where you were talking about um, they have different ways they want the energy to flow? The sequence, does the sequence control how the energy flows through the body? It does. I would say, you know, but it's, they all, most of the yoga practices are always going to start from the feet up going from the root chakra to the crown chakra. That's why we tend to end most practices with some kind of headstand going into the the crown chakra. Mm -hmm. But in between that, since there's so many different poses, you just have different yoga practices that that look at different poses all the time. But it's all going to, basically, it's all about raising up from the root to the crown. So the energy should, okay, so, I'm, and I'm asking this because I'm also piecing together in my mind, right, because I've been to a lot of different types of yoga classes, and I'm trying to piece together in my mind, okay, how did they do those poses? Did we start standing? Did we start sitting? What did we do? So presumably if you start standing or sitting, you're working from the root chakra up, right? Well, I can't really say that it's just because it's, cause I can be seated, and sitting down and still working my uh, my little belly chakra by doing some core stuff, you know. Okay. So, yeah. So it just really depends on what's what it, like a back bend. A back bend is all about heart opening. Okay. So yeah. So it's just usually when you start, you start in a position we call tadasana, which is mountain. Mm-hmm. And you want to get grounded into the earth. So that's usually how we kind of start. And since your feet are connected to the earth, it goes up into your your root chakra. Mm-hmm. From there, we just keep going into poses, opening up the chakra, and the same time allowing it to be a moving meditation because you're focused on the breath. And at the end of class, we you know we usually try to end in something in some kind of inversion. Now, as you move through the practice, just like as you move through life it can kind of change from chakra to chakra, you know? Like I might mm-hmm. be focusing on the heart chakra, but then the next pose might be focusing more on the chakra that's below. So it's, it's just moving the energy up and down the spine. Until, so we just want to move the energy up and down, and then when you finally sit down, it's like, oh, we're at the crown chakra, and that's when you get still and just be still and know. So all gotcha. the practice is just moving, just like what you said earlier. It's like it sounds like it's forever changing through your life. It is, and it's forever changing through your yoga practice. Now, there's some folks who um, think yoga is just for young, skinny people. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to that? I say yoga is for everyone. The, the thing that I like about Yoga One, it teaches you where you have restrictions in your body. So if I'm going through a yoga practice, I can, if I feel like this hamstring is tight or this arm is tight, it, it teaches me that, you know, to know myself, first know mm-hmm. myself. And so I know myself in my yoga practice. It gives you freedom, freedom in the fact of, you know, if, if, um, if I'm older and I feel like I'm about to lose my balance, I've been practicing yoga, so I've been working on my balance, so maybe that will stop me from getting a hip fracture because I'm not going to fall because I have mm. balance. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's for all ages. If you're young, 
you know, it helps with you to meditate and maybe have better concentration in school. And if you're older, like I said, it helps with balance. It helps with the breath. It helps especially if you get into situations where you feel overwhelmed. If you're able to come back to the breath, it, then it goes into your parasympathetic system so you don't get as overwhelmed throughout your day. So it, it's for all different ages and definitely different sizes. Everyone can benefit from moving into their joint. Well, and you mentioned a couple of times people being overwhelmed. It seems like to me, and you tell me what you think as a, as a doctor, because you deal with patients all the time, and people are telling you what their concerns are, but it seems like to me that particularly in the last couple of years, life has become so incredibly stressful. Just mm-hmm. being out in the world is a stressful, <laughs> stressful thing in a way that I don't remember it being even a decade ago. It feels like, wow, things have suddenly gotten really hot. You know, what are you finding yeah. that people are saying to you about that, and, and, and how, how do you find that people are dealing with this? Uh, see, there... there. They're not really doing too well. That's when people, they're like, we don't get enough sleep. And if you don't get enough sleep, you consume too many carbs because you're trying to find energy in your food. And then the, the carbs not necessarily good for your body. You might eat processed foods. And the process of eating processed foods, and you get inflammation in your joint. And then once you get inflammation in your joint, that's going to go into your organs because, you know, once, you, once it starts to manifest itself, that means those organs are probably working overtime, and then you start to have all this diabetes and cancer and heart disease. So we're not doing too well with it. So I see it a lot with people with the, how they're consuming, and then we're not having interaction with others because, you know, when we were little, we would go outside and go ride your bike and, Go mm-hmm. play, and but nowadays they're just sitting in front of the computers and not socializing. So that's a whole nother issue. And because you're sitting mm-hmm. in front of the computer, once again, you're gonna overeat. Because having conversations, because when I was little, when when I would have dinner, I'd eat with my mother. That she would cook a home cooked meal, and we would totally chew the food, which would help its digestion which in turn would help us to feel full faster, but we're not even experiencing that. So I, I tend to see it more with people over-consuming. Well, I think that's interesting. Time. I think it's interesting what you said about people not sleeping and then overeating and the over-intake of carbs in particular to get mm-hmm. that energy. So is it possible that a lot of what we're seeing in our, in our country right now is people are not sleeping or not sleeping well enough? You know, we're all sleep deprived and we're mineral deprived and, you know, because even if you think, so back in the older days when people would have their farm and what they would mm. do is they would, they would have one particular vegetable, then the seasons change, so then they'll have a different vegetable. So they were always kind of changing with the seasons and so that was mm-hmm. giving the soil all the minerals that it needed. But then at a certain point, you know, the farmer realized, like, well, I could just grow this one crop, and this is going to be more profitable for me. But once they did that, the soil didn't get as many minerals as it's needed, so we're even deprived when it comes to minerals in our foods. So it's, it's a lot going on. So is this, so is this I know, um, I, I all a nutrition... <laughs> well, no, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of taking it on board because I hadn't thought about, you know, you know that there's some soil depletion. If you've been reading anything over the last decade, you know, or so, you know that there's an issue of soil depletion. Um, so the question is, to me, I did, or what I just put together, I didn't think about that. Actually, what the the farmers plant gives mm-hmm. back to the soil as well as taking from the soil. That's the part it didn't connect for me until you just said that. Oh, isn't that wild? That is wild so because everything is symbiotic. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And then that perpetuates itself to the future food because the soil is depleted. That's mind-blowing. Just that simple thing right there is mind-blowing. I know. And, it's, and so a lot of times, I mean, ideally it would be nice if we could all get 
blood work and, and get, go to a nutrition to see where we're depleted. But when mm-hmm. you're talking about sleep, that can also affect your sleep if you don't have enough magnesium in your body or if you start to get cramps while you're sleeping. So all of those things can also affect your sleep, which in turn will cause you to eat much carbs because you're sleepy during the day, which will cause inflammation and yada, yada, yada. So it's just, mm. it's just a lot of steps, yeah. And then it's a vicious circle. It's a vicious circle. Like that commercial not- back in the day. Yeah, not that's not a vicious circle like the funny, you know, comedian kind. Uh, uh, <laughs> wow. Okay, so I'm I'm curious then, how do you um, integrate all of these? I know you haven't finished the nutrition part. You said you're studying that now. You're going to be mm-hmm. adding that piece into your practice, and I consider all of these to be to be your practice, even though. One of them presumably takes place in the chiropractic office, and another one presumably takes place in a yoga studio. And but it it seems to me that you say you wear different hats, but you're probably wearing multiple hats at one time, right? Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, they're just stacked on top of each other. Yeah. So how do you how do you think that you can integrate these together in a way that people can? Because yeah, nobody wants to hear you say, oh, you got to eat more stuff you don't like. If you told me to eat Brussels sprouts right now, I would be like, oh, no, Kiva, we ain't talking no more. <laughs> yeah, I don't like Brussels sprouts. I don't like them. I'm not going to eat them. So how do, you, how do you present all this information in a way so that people will kind of take it on board and not feel intimidated by, you know, what might be some fairly significant life changes in some cases? Well, it's... You know, if you first have to have a made-up mind that that's you want to get healthy. I can't want more for you than you want for yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you come to me and, and you, you really have a made-up mind, then that's half the battle. You know, because I've seen too many people who are on their deathbed and don't want to change anything. And then I've seen people like my mother used to smoke. She had one heart attack, and she didn't look at another cigarette. She had a made-up mind. So right. If, if you can, if that's something that you really want, then that's then we're the rest is just us trying to see how you can in, implement it in your life. So you know, so a lot of times I get people who are asking me nutrition questions and yoga questions, and like you said. All, like it, even if the chiropractor, when I'm in the office, I'm going to get yoga questions. Okay, well, here's some poses to do, and let's talk nutrition. And I'm, me and the yoga teacher, hey, this is muscle that's bothering me. Okay, well, let me see what's going on with you. So I do wear the heads at the same time. But mm-hmm. you, have to, you have to want it. At the end of the day, you have to want it. Well, I mean, and this is challenging. to me with want it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my question. It's, it seems like it's kind of challenging because our society is continually bombarding us. You know, like I remember, I mean, thankfully, I got my kids to uh, almost grown up. I just have one left in the house now um, without pumping them full of fast food and stuff like that, right? But right. that's because of how I grew up. I grew up eating real food, you know, where people cooked for me. And fast food was something we did uh, maybe on a Friday night or a Saturday night or maybe if we were just out in the street and couldn't get home in time or something like that. It wasn't, it wasn't something that we did every day. But I know a, a number of parents, particularly in the Atlanta area, um, who because, just because of the sheer difficulty of getting everybody where they needed to be every day and getting home and all of that, it was fast food three, four, five nights a week sometimes. And so my question at this point is, given the pace of our society, given the way that, particularly in urban areas, you know, it's so hard to get around and people are getting home at 8 o'clock at night, what kinds of things can you recommend for people to do to kind of get a grip on that and maybe not do so much fast food, maybe implement some other healthier things into their diet and, you know, get the level of activity or type of activity that would be beneficial to them in this really busy, chaotic world that we live in? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like the same thing that we always hear. Have snacks with you. 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe have some little carrots and some celery with you that you can snack on. Even if mm-hmm. you have to go to that fast food, choose the side salad because they always have a salad on the meal, you know, on the meal plan. Mm-hmm. But I think the most of the time we make decisions just because we don't have it with us right then and there. So if we have something that we can kind of carry with us, a little cooler or something, then I think that could be even more beneficial for sh- for sure. Mm-hmm. So planning, just a little bit of planning. Planning, you know, because I remember this one, I can't remember who said it, but it's like even as a parent, because I know it can be kind of challenging, maybe on Sunday night you cook your main meat if you're going to eat meat. And then throughout mm-hmm. the week you can add some vegetables to go along with different vegetables on the plate also. Mm-hmm. And so you, cause you definitely want to make sure you have your, your vegetables. But right. I would say, um, you know, because it's, it's easy to, it's not easy, I ain't going to say that, but because <laughs> if it was easy, everybody would do it, right? But right. To, to just have your, your vegetables and carrots and apples and, you know, God made it where we have a perfect little thing that we can carry with us and we can snack on all the time. And then you have to find recipes also that are just kind of different and then make it kind of new and exciting. And there's, mm-hmm. there's so many different recipes out there now that you can even try. You know, even for a snack for a kid, maybe just giving them some apples with almond butter. That could even be a, a good little snack for them. So it's just like you have oh, to yeah. be creative and you have to plan. Right, right. Yeah, I remember when we first moved to Atlanta because um, I'm originally from New Orleans. And, you know, New Orleans is a small city, so you could jet around <laughs> ah, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there, at least at least pre-Katrina. And now the traffic mm-hmm. is pretty bad. But right. I could get around quickly, you know, throw the kids in the car, get moving, come on back. But when we moved to Atlanta, it seemed like the traffic was so bad. My son was probably two at the time, I think, and he mm-hmm. would scream bloody murder if we were in the car too long. So I started carrying a cooler. <laughs> I started carrying a cooler, and I would keep, like, maybe... You know, apples, cheese sticks, uh, you know, Capri Sun, little things in there that he could, (laughs) I could stop and get him something quickly to snack on because he would get so upset if he was in the car for too long without eating, you know, because you have to drive. You got to pack a lunch if you want to go across town in Atlanta. I don't care what anybody says. You got to pack a lunch, pack your overnight bag, something. So it took a while for for him to get used to that because he was used to being able to just jet around. And it made a huge difference in the quality of our lives and and my ability to drive like a sane person to to keep that cooler. So if we had to go across town, you know, the kids weren't starving. Right. Well, that's what you, even as adults, we have to do that. Just you, and see there, and there lies the mindfulness of yoga. So if you're on your yoga, uh-huh. <laughs> see how it always goes back to yoga. So if yep. you're on your yoga mat and you're mindful, you're focusing on the breath. You're in the present moment, and you start to get into your practice. You're also mindful about what you put in your mouth. You're mindful about what you listen to. You're mindful about what you look at because you don't want anything toxic in this temple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so true. Like, so I, I remember who was it? It was a, a Buddhist. So when, when sometimes when they're eating their food, they're thinking about where this food is coming from, how the sun had to nourish the plant, and how the plant brought and the earth brought this nourishment food and had all the minerals. And so... If you just go, well, you know, I know that if I eat this, this is not has any nourishment. You just have to be mindful with that decision and understand what you're doing. Because every now and then you're gonna do it, you know. It's not like right, you can right. always be perfect and and not go eat a blueberry muffin <laughs> or <laughs> lemon poppy seed. So it's gonna happen. But you just try not to make those decisions very often, and you're just mindful about what you're putting in your body. Because I tell when you what true. I notice. Yeah, because when I, what I notice, like me, I, I love spaghetti and those kind of carbs. And whenever, and I, and I eat it, and I know 
it's going to get into my joints, and I'm going to feel it when I'm practicing my yoga practice. And the, but, wow. You know, so, so it's like I'll go to class, and I'll feel good, and I'll go eat some spaghetti, and I'll go to class again. I'm like, okay, my hip is tight. Oh, I ate some pasta. But I wouldn't know that had I not been practicing yoga to know how my body should feel or how it can feel and be able to tell the difference. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to ask you more about this carbs in the joints business, right? Because <laughs> I'm curious. You know, it's funny. No, it's funny to me because, like, I notice differences in the in preferences, like in my own household. You know, the uh-huh. the two girls, they never met a pasta they didn't like. I could I could feed them pasta all day long. My son and I are not big into pasta. Neither one of us are. And I tend to believe that people, and I've come to believe this over the years, that people sometimes favor certain types of foods over other others because of the way their bodies react to it. They may not realize that's why they favor something over something else, right? Um, I, I say that because I found out many years later that I was lactose intolerant and I was never crazy about milk as a kid, gotcha. you know, mm-hmm. things like that. So I've, I've kind of, that's why I've kind of started adopting like, okay, your body kind of tells you what it needs and what it doesn't need, I think, in some ways, if, if you pay attention. So how does the, the carbs, what do you mean by the car, it, it get, got into your joints? You, you mentioned inflammation before. Is that what you're talking about? Is, and why exactly. would carbs cause inflammation? Because carbs turn into sugar. Okay. And so when yeah, so sugar just causes inflammation. So that's when you when you talk to people about having a, a anti inflammatory diet. So if certain things that cause inflammation and sugar is like at the top. And there's so many hidden sugars and products that you don't even realize. Like when you get into processed foods and it can have this hidden sugar. So mm-hmm. the, the big culprit is definitely sugar, and and that's a that's a biggie. And I mean, because and, and a lot of times when people have their taste, it's also a learned behavior, because mm-hmm. you know you don't when babies, you know they have taste buds, but they don't really know what food is until their parents feed them to them. And so at that right. time, that's when parents are trying to get kids maybe addicted to a little sugar and salt. And we have big addictions to sugar and salt. Well, and this is why I think, I I mean, of course, I'm sure that the whole how you introduce solid foods to your kids thing has changed since I was doing Mm -hmm. that. But um, I remember the recommendation being to to introduce vegetables before fruit. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they would... Of course, they're going to like the sweet stuff. You know, I think they said that on the tongue, they're more receptors for, they're more taste buds to receive sweetness than the tartness or the um, bitterness. And so mm-hmm. I was, that's, that's what they used to say. I don't know if that's still what they say. So that's, I, I'm, I'm going to say that because I follow those instructions, my kids tend to eat vegetables pretty well. <laughs> but, I mean, is, that, is there... Um, something that parents might consider doing to help get their kids into eating, not that fruit isn't good for them, obviously, but, you know, more of the vegetables and salad and things like that than well, going straight for be, sweet things? Honestly, just, you have to really just be mindful of what you are feeding your child because you're starting their behavior on what they're going to really have a taste bud for. Now, I tell you, it's like, because um, it's like even juices, it's better to eat a fruit than it is to necessarily drink juice. And because the juice is going to be really concentrated sugar. Like if I was to eat an orange and it has fiber, so because, of course, we know our fruits and vegetables, in order for them to stand, they have to have fiber. And fiber mm-hmm. gets into your body, and it helps to clean out your body, the fiber in fruits and vegetables. So mm-hmm. if I was to eat an orange that has fiber, I would eat one orange. Maybe I'm greedy one day, I eat two oranges, but it's the fiber that's going to go through my body, and my body's going to be able to absorb those sugars because of the fiber. But if I was okay. to drink orange juice that's just straight juice, I might drink a full glass of orange juice, which took about 10 oranges to make, so I'm getting additional sugars compared to eating where the fiber is going to absorb some of that, and my body's going to be able to 
digest it a lot better. As opposed to if you, like, make a smoothie or something like that with straight fruit, no sugar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like if you're just juicing, you just realize it's going to be a lot right. of sugar. Yeah. Okay. So going to gotcha. the sugars also in your body. Oh, even juicing spikes the sh sugars. Yeah, juicing will because, like I said, it's straight sugar compared to not having any fiber. That fiber okay. is important. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I thought when they juice, okay, I'm not a big juicer. That, you can tell because I have no idea what I'm talking <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm asking you this. I thought when you juice, you just kind of threw the whole fruit in. You know, you might take off the orange peel, right? But, like, if you were going to juice an apple, you just take the core out and throw that apple in there. If you were going to, you know, I thought that it was kind of you just taking the whole fruit or vegetable and throwing it in there. Is that not what's well, happening? You do, but, you know, you still have all that pulp. So it's like you juice, it takes away the pulp, and it gets the juice. Oh, okay. Maybe, yeah. Okay. See, when I, I just throw everything in the blender when I want to do <laughs> I don't have a fancy <laughs> juicer, so if I want to, I just, oh, pineapple. Cut up my pineapple, I just throw it in there. I don't do it. I keep all the fiber and all that. I guess I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 doing, you're doing more of a smoothie than a juice. Right, right. Okay. So you, you still so, get some of the fiber with a with a smoothie. Okay. Yeah. So you're saying the fiber gets broken down too much for it to exactly. be useful? Okay, well, now I understand. It's broken down so much that it, do, it just becomes straight, it's straight sugar. Right, I got you. Now I understand. I was like, oh, I thought we were doing this right when we, when we did fresh fruit smoothies and juices and all that. So we have to even be mindful of that. So Exactly. Okay. Very cool. All right. Wow. I feel like I've learned so much today. <laughs> <laughs> That's really, really cool. We're gonna, I'm going to blow your mind with the other stuff. Once and then I, you're going to come back on the show. Exactly. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Awesome. 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 <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. You you know, you've, like I said, I know I've learned a lot. I'm sure everybody listening uh, has learned a lot, too. So we are coming to the top of the hour, and we're going to be wrapping up. But what do you have going on that you want our listeners to know about? Well, um, well I know if, if they have any questions, especially about yoga, I, we have this local project called the Melanin Yoga Project. Mm -hmm. and the Melanin Yoga Project is for people of melon, and it doesn't matter the melon, or mm -hmm. just support people with melon. And we have different projects throughout the city for those people that have questions about yoga and say, hey, you need to be skinny, you need to be this, you need to, we'll answer all those questions with different workshops throughout the city of Houston. And if they have any questions or want to find out what projects we're doing, they can just check out the Melanin, not the, but MelaninYogaProject.org, and that's our website. Awesome. That's Melanin, M-E-L-A-N-I-N, YogaProject.org. Correct. Awesome. And how can people get in touch with you? Well, they can definitely email me at dr, uh, dr, dr. dr. Kiva, K-I-V-A-L, Davis, D-A-V-I-S, at gmail.com, all lowercase. Awesome. Awesome. And when are you um, writing a book? <laughs> oh, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my data collection at this time because it's so much. So mm -hmm. nutrition, yep, I'm going to have it done. I'm going to write a book. Very good, very good. So when you get done, give me a holler because we want to have you back. We want to learn so much more from you, and we want to know where we can get your book when it's ready. So we definitely, oh, definitely, sure. definitely want to have you back on. Oh, for sure. I'll be more than happy to return. Awesome. Oh, and where are you doing your yoga classes? Can people come just sign up, or how do they get into your yoga classes? And If they're in Houston, right? They're in Houston. Just, uh, just email me, and I'll give a schedule, and we can talk. Very cool. Yeah, awesome. I do private lessons, so definitely they can just give me an email. 
Very cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. Dr. Kiva, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Well, thank you for having me. It was fun. That's our show this week, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. You guys know I love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show or if you have some suggestions for folks you'd like us to get on the show to interview. Again, I'd like to give a big shout-out to Beverly Black, Tribe Family Channel, and all the members of Tribe Family Channel. It is a pleasure and an honor to be associated with her and that great family of programs. Make sure you guys tune in to the show on June 29th when my guest will be Marcus Tony Campbell, author of Rich City Thug Life. You can find us here every other Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern. You can get to us at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash somewhere in the middle radio. You can also find us at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash somewhere in the middle podcast. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. Peace and blessings, y'all.